it up a little high. I'm working on my posture. Oh, it's not All good right. for three hours to be leaning forward. So I'm trying to I'm forward. Just trying to get this mic in front of my big mouth. Doing good with my my spinal situation. I found some new exercises. It's called the McGill Big Three. If you're are you familiar? No, I haven't heard those. Doctor McGill dedicated his life to to back pain. So I'm working on it. Working on it. Core stability, Tucker. Yep. That's what it's all about. Core stability. I recently came across at a buddy of mine. My buddy Troy uh, has one. It's this thing so you lay on the floor. It's like made out of like super hard plastic. Mm-hmm. And you lay one way on it and it like forms, it makes your back go into that, like the flex the way where it's supposed, supposed to, be. to flex. Yeah. And then you you lay like that, get it well, all that's stretched a back extension. out. And then you, you flip it around, and then you lay the other way on it. That, that's the back extension is not one of the big three. Well, what are oh. the big three? It's like um, I, a modified curl up. I think is what it's called. Curl up. Yep. Side plank. Side plank. Side planks. Number two. Which are big. And then I can't remember the the third one. I don't know what it's called. I know how to do it. It's uh, like a, a cat cow like thing where you do you mm-hmm. put your left leg back and your right arm forward. Uh-huh. And then you bring it in and touch the elbow to the knee and vice versa. It's called and the it, bird dog. A bird dog. And it really, like your your lumbar, it really rotates it. And it's good, man. It feels good. One moment. How do you know the names to all this stuff, Chris? <laughs> so you looked up Google. It was worth three? a Google. Oh. oh, okay. Like It's obvious you're not doing yoga. Wow. That's where you want to start. Well, after after your performance in the third hour yesterday, we have a chance to turn over a new leaf. Every day is a new day. Sun rose up. You got a clean slate. That's where you're going to start. I had some feedback that uh, was not very – you didn't exactly make yourself look very good yet. Yeah, I, I looked real bad in hour three. That was a bad look for me. I had a former I, coworker I, say that you were a little out of line. Yeah. A little well, out of line yourself. Okay. Whatever you got to tell yourself. A federal judge in Tennessee is mulling a preliminary injunction that would suspend NCAA rules regarding name, image, and likeness benefits for athletes. He expects to make that decision, quote, in short order. So, we are underway in Greenville. I I do like that... uh, a couple of our – so somebody paid a crane. Somebody got a crane up there and yeah, hung like a, a Tennessee a, flag. like a cherry picker forklift crane. Not like a – you know, not a build a skyscraper I like, crane. I, I like the thought process here. He thinks that the judge will be walking in, maybe distracted, maybe thinking of ruling in the NCAA's favor. He will see that giant Tennessee flag and say, no, I got a rule for the big orange today. <laughs> you got to go with the state. 
Well, they told us, they said no vol walk, no picketing, no. I feel like the flag is subtle, but effective. I mean, it was, it was <laughs> How totally. Is it, effective? it wasn't effective, number one, Chris. It means, two, hey, we got our eyes on you. It's the most <laughs> Greenville thing ever. Only in Greenville. What's wrong with Greenville? Probably have a lot of listeners in Greenville. They go hard up there. Home of Andrew Johnson and Benny Smith. One of the worst presidents in American history and one of the best program directors in American history. Benny Smith says he knows that man that flew the flag today. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I told Tucker that's the least surprising thing. Well, it's Greenville. I've heard. I, I'm sure everybody knows everybody. Yeah. But he went to school with this guy. Well, yeah, they all went to Greenville. Yeah. <laughs> There's one school, Tucker. <laughs> just one system, just feeds them right on through. Judge Clifton Corker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we talk about college that football. sound like the judge from my cousin Vinny? Son, your suit better be made of some kind of Judge Chamberlain yeah. Hallop. <laughs> Clifton what? Clifton, Clifton Leland Corker. Like you know how we we talk about college football names? Like you wonder if the, your the, somebody's parents are like yeah, give this kid a name. He'll be a college football. <laughs> that is a federal judge name. Like a southern Clifton Leland Cole. So I understand, like, okay, he he hears the arguments. Our guy gets up. Our guy, like, this is he's he's our guy. One of our fourteen guys. Skermetti gets up and says his piece. The and, and the NCAA like pokes holes in it, and maybe there's a little back and forth. I don't know how it all works. Adam Sparks was there. He's going to join us here in just a minute, and hopefully he can paint a better picture. But until he does, we speculate. We will fill the <laughs> vacuum with reckless speculation, <laughs> as is our wont here on the draft. So, like, I understand, that, okay, there's a back and forth. There are arguments to be made, deliberations, and if you're the judge, maybe you want to sleep on it. Like, I get that. You don't want to make a rash decision. There's a lot to consider, and maybe you have some follow-up oh, questions. Yeah. How long? Like, I don't know. How, but, how long do you need here? But if you think about it, the decision he's going to make is either going to drastically, if he grants this injunction, it'll be on. As so far as NIL goes, it'll nothing. You want to? Everybody's been oh the wild wild west. We don't have any guardrails. You let yeah, you let him grant this injunction, and it's there's it, no rules at all. Is it just him making the decision? Does yes. he have? Yeah, it is him. Can, he can't talk to. He can't call people. Oh, what do you no, think, Bob? I'd, I'd, I'd say he could. I was just surprised. They said it could only last three hours. We're, we're cutting it off at three. It lasted what? Forty five minutes. Well, I think well, Tennessee did their – the Attorney General made their statement, and then I think he asked questions. Uh, and then – I think that's how it went. And then the NCAA did their deal, their presentation, then he asked them some questions. And, you know, I'm sure we'll get into this with Adam, but I think there was one part of the NCAAs where they had a really hard time explaining exactly what their rules are and what the difference between – literally the main point that anyone with the brain in sports media has been making for the last three years was how do you talk to a collective and it not be considered inducement? Mm -hmm. And the NCAA was asked that exact question, and according to everyone in attendance, completely fumbled the bag. Which, how can you not be prepared? Even if your argument... For that question? Yeah, even, even if 
what you have to say isn't true. Like it's <laughs> well, it's yeah. like the mate club, right? You yeah, you yeah. can you can defend fake the, it until you make it. it right. Exactly. You have to know exactly what you're gonna say and have a couple of things. Bam, bam, bam. Like I thought the state's good point was uh, that at one point I think Skirmetti said, "Look, the NCAA would not renegotiate a TV deal for the NCAA tournament without." shopping around and seeing like what they could get from different competitors mm-hmm. in the TV marketplace. They wouldn't just go to CBS or whoever because that's what they've always done. No, it's a negotiation. It's a competitive marketplace. You want to see what else is out there and potentially drive up the price, which is essentially what our entire case like mm-hmm. revolves around is the right for people to negotiate and, and pit other companies and bidders against each other. Right now, I thought that was a really good point. No, that's a that, great point. And it, that's the whole. That's the. That's the whole yeah. crux of this issue. You know, the NCAA has been trying to set some, I mean, whatever their version of market value is. All but the prices are getting raised over here, and it's it's false negotiation. Well, if some school's going to pay it, then let them pay it. Let them make that mistake, and the kid make money. But I do have a. I, you know, I don't know if Adam will be able to answer it or not, but. What we're going to court for might have nothing to do with what they're going to put in that notice allegations. Well, there was some quote from an NCAA attorney today that said they have not seen any proof of Tennessee committing violations in the NIL footprint, which I thought was kind of... What are you getting at, Bear? What do you think could be in the NCAA notice of allegations? I have no idea. Well, then why would you say that? Because I, one of the many, like out of 40 things I read today, like different people, you know, tweets, articles. What are you getting at? What, what could possibly be in there other than we're paying players and using NIL as a recruiting inducement? I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, the only other thing I've, I've even heard rumblings about, and this is just completely unfounded rumor and innuendo, is... Tony Vitello recruiting Maui Ahuna while he was technically still a Kansas Jayhawk. But we self-imposed for that, and the NCAA accepted it and allowed Tony to come back well, for the remainder of the season. Exactly. And the other part was Dondi Plowman's insistence weeks ago when all this first first came out was that none of UT's representatives, employees, coaches, players, whatever, have been accused of mm-hmm. any NCAA wrongdoing, which feels like that would fly in the face of that. Well, if at that point they hadn't been accused, if it had just kind of been insinuated, but I I understand that. So I don't know. I I feel here here's my general, completely non professional legal takeaway is the short game looks murky at best. Fifty fifty chance we win the injunction. The long game looks like almost a hundred percent that we win, and. You could have damage incurred in the meantime, just on, on the recruiting trail and I guess a couple of other areas. No, that's the big one, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it, it feels like there, there's just no way I see Nico being ruled ineligible, a postseason ban, really any sort of scholarship, you know, additional scholarships mm-hmm. and everything like that. And the thing I keep coming back to is if I'm the NCAA, do I really want to – do I want to go through this time and time again with Mississippi? Like all, all these other states that you're supposedly investigating to say, well, you know, there's 20 or so investigations 
ongoing right now that uh, we just haven't gotten to yet. Tennessee was first in line. It's like, okay, so you've been met with all this resistance. By the way, we haven't even really talked about this lawyer that UT has hired and a potential another lawsuit Mm -hmm. coming in from directly from the university and all that. If you're the NCAA, do you really want to go through this with Missouri, Texas, uh, Oklahoma, Ohio, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, where, where every single state going to do this. Do you really want to set yourself up for that? And if the answer is no, then don't you have to cut Tennessee loose at that point? Don't you just have to cease fire, lay, lay down arms? We're not going to send a notice of allegations because you can't really do that for Tennessee and then say we're not going to do it for everybody else just because we don't want to go through the hassle that Tennessee is making us go through right now 50 more times. Yeah, I still don't – I'm trying to – I still have yet to figure out an off-ramp for either party in this whole deal. Uh, off-ramp is simple for the NCAA. You uh, just don't si- send the notice of allegations. Simple, but they're a uh, – they're stupid, but they're proud. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they got – there's a lot of ego up there, and I, I – is there is that one of these things that we just assume? Can you name who who is the NCAA investigator? Can, can we name anybody on the investigative staff? Have no clue. So, but so, they, so they, how they, do they we through, know that they're prideful? Well, uh, through just historically speaking. Okay, but we're we're You're gonna act like they they don't ever act like you know. They yes, they they certainly did. They certainly did in the back in the day when they're throwing the book at Alabama and Kentucky and Cleveland State and all that stuff. But I do think we we live in different times, as evidenced by the fact that our previous football coach was caught red-handed playing, paying players, cheating out the wazoo, and we didn't get hardly anything. We got a couple of you know slaps on the wrist, a couple of scholarships here or there. I mean, the the landscape has changed dramatically. Well, yeah, but- they turned right back around, and after they were holding us up as a, this paragon of virtue in a completely lawless college sports world, they turned around and come want to hammer us. Which some people have said was retaliatory in nature because they weren't able to you give us the You know me in Houston, we there. always believe that, you know, just, just because we're paranoid, Russ, doesn't mean that they're not after us. Well, I have this real – moron thing i need before i buy into any conspiracy theory it's called evidence and i think that wait wait wait, wait. you need evidence that the ncaa is proud well, yeah, prideful I, yeah i mean like <laughs> they never thought they'd have to pay these players a dime in the first place they've been fighting that in court instead of having a plan in place for the last that's 15 a, years for nil and money mess. well I, i'm just talking about the long game here okay with, with, this, with specific. this specific case yeah, I mean, the, the, nobody's arguing that the NCAA has covered itself in glory and is a bastion of integrity and always does things the right way. I, I'm just saying that they've been told by the judge in this specific case they can't expect to win. They're, they're unlikely to win, I believe, was the, uh, the, the exact wording, that the state is likely to win mm-hmm. in, in this case. And, I mean, part of... You know, you're talking about pride. Part of pride is self-preservation. And, you know, if, if I have pride, then I want to keep my job and I want to be continue to be relevant here, then maybe this isn't a battle I'm wanting to pick. I, I could definitely see a situation where the NCAA does just quietly. You think say, so? We're not going to send the notice of allegations. I, we're, I, we're, 
we're moving back here. Oh, that would be the prudent thing to do. I just feel I don't like disagree with that. It would be the that would be like completely emasculating to them. Like I wonder if that, that's just would it be thought. any more emasculating than taking this all the way to court and losing and with with a and there's sense no of finality. That's the other thing that I'm I started wondering about. Like no Tennessee fan or anybody is is even entertaining the fact that they could win. He could rule in their favor. Who? The judge. In the injunction or in the, if this goes to court, to uh, an actual the, trial? The, the injunction for sure. And I mean, you never know. That's why they have trials. You, you never know, but I, I just can't see a world where anybody stands for a player being ruled ineligible over an NIL deal. Yeah. Not just here. I'm talking about anywhere else. We take the orange-colored glasses off. Is this a kid at UCLA? I mean, we were pretty outraged that they did this to this dude at North Carolina this past season. Oh, sure. That, that was absolutely ridiculous. You know, any other star player, even if it's at Duke or Kansas in basketball, would be like, dude, what are you doing? Just let that dude play. Yeah. Like, that's – so, I, I just I, – I don't know, man. And again, I, I think short-term, up in the air. Long-term, I think it's in the bag for Tennessee. I, I'm not particularly worried about it. Adam Sparks was in attendance today in Greenville. We will pick his mind on what he saw and heard. When we continue on many of these fine fan-run affiliates, the drive continues. Stay with us. We are back with more right after this. Fan-run radio, the drive continues. Russell, Bear, Houston Crash, and Tucker Harlan all with you here in the old White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios as we get set to welcome in Adam Sparks, who is in attendance today representing KnoxNews.com at the Tennessee NCAA hearing. Adam, good afternoon. How are you, sir? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Just left the uh, the courthouse grounds just a few minutes ago, so, so wrapping up the day, at least in terms of coverage. So I know when you interviewed with the Knoxville News Sentinel, knoxnews.com, and you're coming over to cover the Vols and you're thinking, all right, well, I'm going to have to familiarize myself with the new depth chart, get to know coaches. Uh, you know, maybe a, a guy gets arrested and I'll have to call up and get a police report. Or anything. Did, did you ever foresee a scenario, Adam, where you were asked to go to Greenville and go into a courtroom and listen to the state attorney general argue a case before a judge for a preliminary injunction. Is there anything in your background that prepared you for days like today? Uh, no, nothing <laughs> surprises me on this beat. Uh, now, I will say, in uh, uh, in this job, you've got to do sort of like uh, cram for the test type things when it's non-sports. Um, I covered MTSU early in my career, and I, I had to delve into – athletes involved in criminal cases as victims, not, not assailants. Uh, when I covered Vanderbilt after that, I covered portions of the so-called Vandy rape trial. And so you, when you have to delve into things having to do with the law, you just cram for the test and hope you don't sound like an idiot <laughs> when, you're, when you're reporting on it. And that was the case in this one. Uh, you know, I've talked to attorneys and Read a lot, read a lot, of, read of uh, a lot of online law books really quickly to, to know enough to report on it. But yeah, this is a new one. Um, in the courthouse today, there were about forty people in the gallery, 
and I'd say 20 of them were sports media members and were all sort of sharing notes. Like, hey, do you know what that means? <laughs> no. Maybe maybe go ask so-and-so. And uh, I actually ended up, I guess, being the point man for a lot of these. Uh, and I was told by a couple of other uh, uh, buddies in town that are sports writers that, well, it's it sounded like you knew what you yeah. were talking about. <laughs> we know you don't, but it really read that way. So, well, that's so, good. That, I, I, yeah, I, your I, colleagues trust you and, and feel like uh, you are the most non-meat-headed sports guy there that they can put forth. And I say that in a loving way because, I know, just doing this, Adam, I feel like such a moron talking about this stuff. I do, too. I, I will say uh, – Tyler Whetstone, he's one of our news reporters, uh, award-winning investigative reporter. He's on the news side. He has helped me in this, and he came with me today, sat beside me in the gallery, and there was no talking allowed. There was no electronic devices in there, but also they told us right before the judge came in, absolutely no talking. We bent the rules a little bit to whisper behind our notebooks, where I've got to ask Tyler, like, hey, what is what, what is he talking about there? Yeah. You know, so. Well, could could you it. be We're held in contempt? It. I mean, that that would have been quite the headline. Local sports reporter Adam Sparks led away in handcuffs. Yeah, that would add another wrinkle that you would not expect <laughs> in, a, in a federal courtroom. Today there was a few wrinkles that you would expect in a federal courtroom, like uh, like an attorney for the for the for the state attorney general, um, uh, Carson Beck's Lamborghini was mentioned. Um, Brock Purdy's salary was mentioned. Um, in comparison to NIL payments, Bryce Young's NIL deal was mentioned. Um, uh, Bronny James, LeBron's uh, son, was mentioned. There's a lot of, you know, odd comparisons, just things you normally wouldn't hear in a federal courtroom. But I guess, I guess that that's that's what you get into when you talk about NIL. All right, so you're in there in the courtroom. And uh, just sort of set the scene for us for for folks who, again, like most of us, have a just you know what we learned about the law we learned from watching you know Judge Judy or or perhaps Matlock. Um, what did you see today, and what did you learn? Yeah, I was waiting for Samuel L. Jackson to get up on the stand and yell, and <laughs> <laughs> that never happened. Um, yeah, I mean, so basically, what this was, it was a hearing. It lasted an hour, ten minutes. Um, Judge came out two sides, NCAA side, the state, the the state's attorney side, um, and they just argued the preliminary injunction, which means if the injunction is this, the, the case is going to go on for months, but the injunction freezes all NIL rules under the NCAA, like uh, presumably immediately if it's granted. So if it's granted, NIL rules all stop. That means the NCAA most likely can't investigate or enforce rules that it's investigating Tennessee for breaking. Um, if the injunction is denied, that means NIL rules continue and possibly the NCAA investigation continues. And then we just like go, go more the long haul all the way to the case, which it looks like the NCAA is going to lose, but it would buy them some time to, to figure out what to do with NIL rules over the next few months. They argue back and forth today whether or not the injunction should be granted. Uh, the judge basically said in the restraining order last week that, like, you've got to give me more reasons to freeze these rules aside from money. Like, the initial argument was, well, you got to freeze these rules now because these recruits are missing out on money that they would have if they could negotiate and start a bidding war between, between collectives of schools. And the judge said, no, you got to give me more reasons. And that's a good reason. you got to give me more than that. And so I thought there was... There's a couple of arguments that the state 
the state made. One is that uh, in the NCAA investigation with UT, that like they're percept, they're getting negative perception that is unfair because there's an investigation into rules that they think are unlawful. That's that's one argument. The other argument I thought was a pretty good one was that recruits are losing leverage by not being able to negotiate openly with collectives and not knowing how much they would be paid sure. to the dollar figure. They're losing leverage that they will never be able to recoup, mm. and that's why the injunction needs to be granted now. In other words, if I'm a five-star recruit right now, <coughs> I, I need to know what you will pay me, and then I need to go to your competitor and drive up the price. And if I'm not getting my NIL deal until I'm enrolled at the school, uh, I won't, number one, I won't know what money I left on the table had I been able to, to have people bid for me. And number two, what if I... What if I don't pan out as a player? Or what if I blow out my knee in my first spring practice and suddenly my NIL value is not as good as it was when I when I could have initially had those negotiations? Your leverage is the highest as a recruit as it will ever be, and that's the argument of the state. I thought it was a pretty good argument. So there's a back and forth. Uh, both sides state their case. The judge asks some pointed questions. And now, yeah. uh, this is very interesting to me, Adam. Like we we don't know when when we get the ruling. It could literally happen today. It could happen tomorrow. It could happen a couple of weeks. Uh, what are we waiting on here? Is he just literally sleeping on it, mulling it over? I've heard a couple of days. I've heard two or three weeks. So my guess is somewhere in between those two. I won't be surprised if it comes tomorrow morning. I won't be surprised if it's saying, you know, goes to March. He did say in short order is the way the judge said it. So I would guess within a week, I would guess. But, you know, again, as we said at the beginning of the call, I don't know what I'm talking about on a lot of this stuff. Yeah. So, uh, so who knows? But it, it, it did point down the road to the fact that the NCAA is probably going to lose this case. I mean, I tweeted mm-hmm. this earlier. One of the most telling moments of the whole thing, not to do with the injunction, but with the case overall and NIL overall, was that the judge asked the NCAA attorney to tell him the difference between negotiating an NIL price, which is not allowed, versus um, engaging in conversations about NIL opportunities and value with a collective. What's the difference between those? Because that second one is allowed by the NCAA. The first one isn't. And the attorney sort of stumbled over his work. He's a phenomenal attorney. His arguments were great when he was asked that. Tell me the difference. Uh, he he couldn't get around to it, which really points to the issue with NIL altogether, is that nobody really knows what the rules are, not even the attorneys. Yeah, uh, we were talking before you came on. You would think that uh, as prepared as these guys are, Adam, that the NCAA attorney would anticipate that question coming and have specifically that question uh, and and have a really good explanation of the difference even if it's and and it's we're all it's a joke right i mean there is no difference but (laughs) you you, these these are high-priced lawyers and they can they can i won't say make one up but they can thread the needle so to speak Mm. and uh, here's the little difference well you could tell that there was sort of a statement that they had prepared to address that and he read it or just memorized it or whatever and he did answer it, but then the judge scrutinized his answer, mm. sort of picked it apart, and sort of questioned him like three different ways. I mean, the the way the judge said it was, well, that defies common sense. <laughs> hey, that's not good when the judge says that to that's you. That's NIL. <laughs> he did it. He cracked the case. Welcome to the world of college sports, it Your Honor. It defies common sense. It's, it's, the NCAA. 
It is funny that with all the sports media there and everybody in Knoxville that you guys could name and the audience could name, we're in there. All of us were in there. And a lot of us, again, are sort of learning a lot about the law or whatever. But when it would come to things that we absolutely knew, like recruiting, like in, like NIL language, like how these negotiations actually do happen between NIL collectives and recruits, when that stuff would come up, we would all perk up, look at each other and say, yep, yep, that's I recognize that. This, <laughs> this, this judge just pointed out what we've been saying for three years. The the interesting part to me, Adam, was when the NCAA apparently said throughout the flimsy, I don't know if I call it an excuse, but basically saying the recruits can go to several different websites, random websites to check out what their value NIL yeah, valuation which, was. Which is on three, I guess would be the one. On three has that valuation, uh, which they do a good job with that, but it's, it's sort of guesswork. Um, I mean, it's just you, you can't rely on that. And it could be higher. It could be lower. You know, the argument of the states was, what's the easiest way to know my value? Well, ask ask Collective A, yeah. how much will you pay me? Exactly. And then ask Collective B if he'll pay that. And if they'll pay higher, then, then you ask Collective C. And once you get to the highest number, that's your value. And I thought this was I thought this was cool that, the the NCAA was sort of arguing this, you know, they they shouldn't be able to bid and that sort of stuff, and um, you know they can kind of figure that out without a bidding war or whatever. And keep in mind, the NCAA, the best thing that they run is the NCAA tournament, the basketball tournament. The state's attorney got up and said, "Well, what if the NCAA just accepted whatever CBS uh, just just accepted that CBS was going to air the tournament and didn't ask how much CBS was going to pay for it?" And instead just said, yeah, we'll let you guys air it, you guys in TNT and TBS. And after we sign the contract, you guys let us know what you're going to pay us after that. And and not take it out for bids with ESPN and NBC and ABC and all that. How would that work? You guys would never do that. And so don't don't tell us that you can find out your value without taking bids because that's ridiculous because you guys don't do it. I thought it, was, I thought it was a pretty savvy move oh. uh, by the state's attorney and – Cam Norris is the state's attorney. Uh, he, he was the one speaking today for the attorney general. And the way he talked, I thought, okay, this 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 guy knows sports inside and out because you could tell the way he would jump on jump on things and know everything how to approach this in terms of sports knowledge. Adam Sparks, KnoxNews.com, with us this afternoon. So, Adam, as we await for the decision, um, and you know, there's a couple of different ways this could go even if Tennessee doesn't get the injunction uh, the the judge has already said they're likely to prevail if this goes to trial um, you know it, is there a chance you think even regardless of how the judge rules on this injunction do you think there's a chance the NCAA looks at this and says you know what do we really want to go through with this every time we try to enforce these rules because after Tennessee, I mean, we talking to you, you said there was a, like 20 other schools in the pipeline. Do we really want to do this in Mississippi in Texas in Ohio and Florida and everywhere else that we're going to try and do this uh, to, to schools that we feel like are violating these rules or the spirit of these rules? Do you think there's a world, Adam, where the NCAA says, you know what, we're, we can't do that. We're just going to quietly not send an NOA and just, let this go. It depends on if the NCAA approaches this, like from the perspective of principle 
or a practical approach. They usually go a principled approach. In other words, they usually say, hey, forget all the politics and the and the, what could happen and what makes common sense. The principle says, by the letter of the law, we think this school broke this rule that is on the book right now. We're going to... We're going to slap them with that allegation right now. Because the letter of the law, our guidebook says we're supposed to. A practical approach would be like, eh, you cut your losses. You're going to lose this in the end. You're going to set yourself for other lawsuits. Um, just just going back to Indianapolis, put this one as an L and live to fight another day. That's the practical approach. The problem is NCAA usually doesn't do that. It's a very pharisaical type thing. <laughs> they usually go by it's it's letter of the law, forget common sense or survival mode or, or practicality or anything like that. They usually don't don't go that way. And, I mean, you, you know that by the fact that they went after Tennessee. I mean, a practical person would say, those people are crazy. Go take on somebody else. If you take on UT, you're probably going to get lawsuits. You, you, went, you were just in a case with UT a few months ago, and they had the freaking attorney general try to sue you. And they got that attorney general on speed dial. Pick another school and go after them. That would be a practical approach. They didn't do that. They said, "Letter of the law, this allegation that we have, this is the school we're going after." So, you know, we'll we'll see. It, it would make sense for them to relent and and see where this is going. But I, I don't. That's not their mo to do that. Usually, they just say, "This is a. It's 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 the principle of it." Uh, or, we think you broke rules. We will try to enforce those rules, even if the NOA didn't even stand up in court. Adam, really appreciate the, uh, your time. Last thing, we'll let you go. You broke the story over the weekend that Tennessee had had hired uh, this attorney, Burke, um, the University of Tennessee. Again, this is, gets confusing. This is a uh, you were at the state's case today against the NCAA. Uh, and it feels like the university itself is rattling its sabers a little bit here. You know, hey, regardless of what happens, like we, we come after you directly, and the NCAA just continues to get it through all sides. Do you feel like that is just sort of a kind of you know break glass in case of emergency approach by the university, or do you think that they are moving ahead with a completely separate lawsuit on their own behalf? I think it was a power move to go and, and, and hire him. Uh, I think the type of lawyer they got is also very important, very telling. Keep in mind, the Jeremy Pruitt case, they went and hired Mike Glazier's uh, firm. Mike Glazier's firm is the best that money can buy to face the NCAA in infractions hearings, face the NCAA in its, in its own court, so to speak, its own hearings. They went and did that. This guy that they got, William Burke, does not do NCAA cases. He doesn't do – I bet he's never been in the room in a NCAA infractions committee. This, this guy takes cases in front of the Supreme Court. This is the guy that, as a prosecutor, sent Martha Stewart to prison. This is the guy that worked in the Bush White House. This is the guy that dealt with the Robert Mueller uh, probe into, into President Trump. Th- this guy wheels and deals in Washington. It's telling that UT didn't hire – a lawyer to take on the NCAA in an infractions hearing, they hired a guy in Washington to be prepared to take something to the Supreme Court. It was more of a, I think the message was, our lawyer lives in D.C., he'll meet you when you get there. I think that's what, that, that, that's what hiring him said to the NCAA. 
Or in other words, you want some, come get some. Yeah. <laughs> That's another way of putting it, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Adam, we appreciate it as always, my friend. Uh, safe travels back to Knoxville. And I mean, it sounds like uh, I almost called him Butch Jones. This is the second day in a row I did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Heupel might have <laughs> some assistant coaches to hire in the near future. Maybe we'll talk football the next time we get you Yeah, on. who knows? Maybe football. The other day, my wife had to tell me that Jerry Mack was leaving. <laughs> I was buried and stuff. And, and oh, Jerry, said, who? Who do you think the running backs coach is going to be? I'm like, well, Jerry Mack's the running backs coach. He said, you need to get on Twitter and get out of those law books. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you were going to law school to become a sports beat reporter, that uh, they didn't cover some certain things so you have to that's right, that's pick right. these up as you go along all right at adam sparks on twitter on x knoxnews.com adam thanks so much all right guys you have a good one adam sparks making his presence felt this afternoon here on the program and i, I did have one one question for him but i didn't or you should have asked that like two minutes ago when he was still on the phone yeah, he's gone I now I, I couldn't decide <laughs> whether i should ask him so what is it so apparently when he went, I listened to him, he went on Feinbaum when this all first dropped, and apparently uh, Adam's wife was trying to get on the Feinbaum, you know, as a caller to the Feinbaum show, but they put Adam on instead and didn't take her call, and I was going to let him know, you know, she's a passionate sports talk caller. Like she was calling as a fan? <laughs> she's apparently a crazy Tennessee fan. There's no other kind did, of Tennessee did, fan. Did I see that they showed her tweet on the screen while he yes. was giving? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to let her know. Hey, you know, we got you back. Drive. Well, what, what they uh, like it, it, here, Adam? Here's what your wife said. What, <laughs> what, what do you have to say about the like? <laughs> I mean, explain yourself. Well, no, explain I mean, Adam your knew, wife. Adam knew what he was getting into when he married a Tennessee fan. You'd have to. We're all nuts. Quick timeout. The drive continues. More fan run radio after the break. Open up the phone lines here, 865-546-8200. Yeah, Tennessee. With, and it's not just Jerry Mack. Brian Jean Mary. <laughs> what? Has also. Yeah, he's on the list now. Oh. Brian Jean-Marie. Sharon Moore's coming for him. Has been targeted. By who? By Sharon? Yep. We will fill in the blanks for you when we continue. Stay with us. More Fan Run Radio coming up. The drop. Fan Run Radio, the drive continues, 105.7 FM, 1340 AM, streaming live at the all-new fanrunradio.com and your free Fan Run app. Adam Sparks, KnoxNews.com. Bear, what did you learn? Oh, I just had it in my head. Um, oh, I, I really, the part when he was there at the end when he was talking about uh, the new attorney that Tennessee hired back in December, um, the, you know, the high, high price. Bill Burke, yeah. Yeah, Bill Burke. Like, that really jumped out at me. I, I hadn't really thought about that, that, that they had hired a lawyer. I never thought about it that way. They weren't hiring, like he said, they aren't hiring that guy to, that guy to deal with the NCAA. They're hiring that guy to kind of shepherd this thing all the way up the line. You think it's going to go to the Supreme Court? No, I I honestly, I, I think the NCAA will back down this time. I you really think they'll do. appeal it if we, I mean, they're, they're, if he grants the injunction. I don't think so, man. I, I think that, 
I think if he doesn't grant the injunction, they'll probably string it out a little a little longer. But I could also I could also see them just quietly swallowing the NOA. We're we're not going to pursue this. It's it's not worth it. But I don't know. Maybe maybe they fight it out, as Adam said, just as a matter of principle. But it feels like every time they've done that in the past. They feel like they they're likely to win, and and they have been winning up until recently. Yeah. Now it feels like they never win, and in this case, the judge has even told them, "You're probably not going to win." So, because the the other thing that jumped out at me, it doesn't sound like the judge is fully. You know, Tennessee's had a hard time showing the um, loss of you know what it is they're losing. Um, I, I guess fi- financially, but I, you would think the NCAA would not want to do anything to Tennessee simply because why, why give them a concrete, something concrete they can go to court and be like, look, now they've ruled this guy ineligible. Now they're really infringing on his right to earn money. Oh, yeah. And part of my, you know, I don't know that Adam would be a good person to ask this just because I, I feel like it would have to be directed at somebody either at uh, the university or in the attorney general office, which is like, it, it was, has there been any thought in trying to get Nico involved in this? Since this is obviously a Nico-centric case. Because I feel like if they could, uh, it, to me, we're having trouble showing damage or potential damage. If you have Nico Iamaleava saying, look, the, the entire point of this investigation is they could rule me ineligible if they do that. It violates the NIL contract because I'm not going to be out there on Saturdays on TV earning money and endorsement opportunities for my sponsors. Not to mention the fact that, you know, kind of hurts my, you know, potential professional earnings as well because I'm not able to prove that I'm capable of playing football professionally. I feel like if they were able to do that, that would just end that part of it. It'd be pretty wild. NCAA versus. Iamaliava. Well, yeah, and I, but I could see where UT would want to protect him yeah. from that, mm-hmm. from from having to just deal with all that massive distraction, which is probably why Jackson Lampley's name was submitted as a declaration. Redshirt freshman, future All Star quarterback. Yeah, it's not going to take a lot of time out from Jack. I mean, Jackson's pretty much got his role down, no pun intended, as far as. See what I did there? That was nice, wasn't it? Very um, nice. Very nice. Down, uh, pun intended, roll. Jeez. There's a lot of doubles there. Yeah, that was like a quadruple entendre. Yeah, it was, it was pretty nice. He, he doesn't have to take a lot of time out from, from working on that, whatever that work looks like, to go and testify or have his name out there. The minute Nico becomes involved, it becomes a ten times bigger story than it already is, and it's already a pretty big story. I thought it was hilarious that they uh, they tried to use websites that determine market value. Yeah, that was the one that really I was like, the if f- only there was a much more efficient way of determining <laughs> that. Just getting to that number that blew my mind that the NCAA would say, "Oh, well, they can just go on to on three and see what they're <laughs> worth." Like as they if, said, like various websites. Yeah, like, as if all of this happens in a vacuum. Like I was thinking about this, and he he brought up a great point talking about you know different jobs and being able to leverage yourself for a, a raise or more money on either side. I mean, it, yes. it's, it's all about what a school needs, wants, and what's the fit like. For example, 
the year after Nico signs, Tennessee, everyone wants a five-star quarterback in every class. You want that. Tennessee, when they got Nico, needed a five-star quarterback. It's more valuable to Tennessee than it is, say, even Alabama, who's going to be in with three or four five-star quarterbacks. It's And that's where the fit comes in. It's just laughable that they said, oh, yeah, they can just go look it on three. Those numbers are accurate. What? Well, imagine young Tucker Harlan is a college student here who hopes to become gainfully employed in the sports radio industry upon his graduation from the University of Tennessee. And as part of his interviews, he got an interview with Fan Run Radio and maybe The Zone in Nashville and perhaps uh, 92.9 in Memphis. You leaving us? And he goes and he, and he meets with all these people and he has an interview and when he says, okay, well, this, this all sounds good. What kind of salary are we talking about? And he says, well, the, the PD, whoever he's interviewing with at the station says, well, you can go to a couple of websites here and you can find out what a radio professional in this state might make if he were employed. You'd be like, no, like, what would you pay if exactly. I came, if I came here, much are you what would you pay, pay me? me? Like that's, that's the way it works in america when you're when you are getting a job or when you are well, selling that, that was a your name image and likeness i think that was a part of it from what i've read where the judge uh, i think the word that incredulous was used so tennessee looking for a new running backs coach this afternoon and According to John Bryce of Football Scoop, perhaps new linebackers coach as Michigan is coming after Brian Jean-Marie to coach the Wolverines linebackers. He has been at Tennessee all three years of the Hypel era so far and is like he's done a solid job. Yeah, not great, not spectacular, not terrible. Like he's just sort of he's been okay. I, I pretty feel, stout rough defense, run defense the last two years. I'm telling you guys, I, I feel the same way I do about uh, Jerry Mack. Like I, I, I would prefer that Brian Jean-Marie stays. If he goes, I wish him well. Uh, a chance to upgrade per, potentially. I don't see this as a huge loss if indeed that's what he decides to go. I can't think of a single recruit that has come here in the Hypel era that I remember them say, "Oh yeah, like Brian Jean-Marie was the deciding factor." In well, who was he? Who is he? Uh, who is he? Lead recruiter for? Exactly. Well, I'm just asking. I don't know. That's oh. what I told you. I, I can't think of a single person that has said, "Yeah, Brian John Marie is he? He's my guy." Well, I mean, sometimes you don't hear about that. because you know, I think it would surprise a lot of people, like because they you, these well, guys Nico, don't, don't recruit the position. They don't necessarily recruit <laughs> the position that they coach. Yeah, but, I mean, for Nico, it was. Halsley and Heupel. Well, yeah, I mean, he's a quarterback, but stood like, out. Rodney Garner. Uh, which one of them was it? it, it was, I think it was one of the wide receivers. I feel like Garner has been big on all these edge rushers and and defensive linemen mm-hmm. that, that we've signed. Um, I mean, again, I'm, I'm not saying good riddance. I hope he goes or anything. I'm just saying like it doesn't move the needle. A ton for me if he goes. If anything, it's simply you don't a think chance. It's to, conk-worthy? No, that's what I was good, about to get to. Is like if any, it's a chance to just keep our coaching search chops fresh. Hmm. Always be vigilant. Be ready. Oh, I'm ready like right it. now. Always ready. 
Tucker, you got a big top four at four lined up for us? We got some SEC basketball tonight? We do. Oh, I am ready for the SEC basketball. Who's playing? South Carolina's at Auburn. Yeah. Uh, I think that's tomorrow. That is tomorrow. You're right. See, what, what am I trying to do? Cut in on your action here. Just wait, just wait for the man's top four at four, Bear. He'll tell you what's on what tap you, tonight. What are you trying to throw me under the bus for? Sensing a lot of that lately. No, I mean, take a responsibility. You what do you want from noticed me? It. You're not a very nice person sometimes. Whoa! Sir. Now you're throwing me under the bus. Falsely. No, Hour number two of Fan Run Radio's afternoon drive presentation for this afternoon headed your way next stay with us